what a joy it is this morning to have our children's choir come and lead us in worship. Thank you, uh, Mary and Becca, for your work with them. You're doing a great job, and they're growing up on me. They're about to dwarf me already. Look at them. So we're glad they're here. You join us as they lead us in worship. cannot be hidden. You can see it from far off. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. High up. In the open. And it gives light to everyone in the house. You don't hide a city. You don't hide a light. You can't hide it under a bush. Only people who are afraid hide their light. You can't hide the truth. You can't hide the light of Jesus. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Let it shine. Let, Let it shine. shine. Let your light shine before others. How will they know if you don't tell them? Let your light shine before men and women. Before your friends. And classmates. And your church family. And work friends. And neighbors. And, and relatives. relatives. Yes, relatives. How about enemies? Yes, let your light shine before enemies too. Let your light shine before everyone. Let your light shine before men and women that they may see your good deeds. Your character. Your love. Your caring. Your unselfishness. When you are helpful. Your compassion and kindness. When you are considerate. Your giving. Your good deeds. Fruit of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Praise your Father. Your light prompts praise of your Father. Of their Father. The Almighty. To the glory of God. To his glory. To his glory. Let your light shine for the glory of God. Let your light shine forever. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven.
you may remain standing while we get ready to greet one another. Thank you, Mary, and thank you, children, for a fantastic job. And I hope that we will all let our light shine just as they have this morning. Thank you for joining us for worship. We are glad you're here. If you're a guest, we welcome you and remind you, you have a gift out on the Welcome Center. As you go out, just pick up one of those bags and uh, you can go on uh, with this QR code there on the pews and fill out the uh, guest registration form. But we're just glad you're here today. Thank you for being here. And for those of you who joined us online, we welcome you. We pray that all of you feel God's presence as we worship him. Take a moment and greet those around you. Then we'll join in singing, He leadeth me, He leadeth me. Join as we sing together.
continue to worship as our worship team leads.
Thank you. You may be seated. We are so thankful that you are here today and so thankful for the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place. I'm so grateful for the children doing an awesome job leading us in worship and sharing God's word with us and and then to hear this beautiful praise music. I don't know about you, but I feel his presence in this place. And I'm so grateful for the Holy Spirit. And wherever you are today, whatever's going on in your life, the Holy Spirit wants to meet you and meet me right where we are in our pain and our worry, our fear, our questions, our sickness, our struggle, our addiction, our depression, our loneliness, our pride, our guilt. Whatever is going on in your life right now, know God is able and he wants to meet you and me right where we are. And the great news is we do not have to leave the same way that we entered into this place. And I'm not talking about going out a different door. I'm talking about spiritually, we can leave change today. We can be different because God has that kind of power to do what we cannot do on our own strength. And this morning, if you're here and you feel led by the Holy Spirit, or if you're watching on live stream or Facebook Live or YouTube, wherever you're worshiping, I pray you can feel God's Spirit wherever you are and know that He wants to bring light to you and to bring His grace and mercy to you. And if you feel led today in this place to come kneel at this altar or stand from your seat, I invite you to do so as we lift up our prayers together. Would you come pray with me today? pray together. Lord, in the words of this beautiful song, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel his mighty power and his grace. I can hear the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Thank you, O oh God. Where two or more are gathered in your name, you promise to be in our midst. Thank you for that promise. Father, it's great to be in your house with your people, worshiping you and praising the only one who is worthy to be praised, the name of Jesus Christ. Oh God, we love you, we praise you, we exalt the name of Jesus, we adore you. And Father, we cry out to you today with our praise and thanksgiving, with our suffering, our pain, our guilt, our sin, our grief. And oh God, I want to lift up a special prayer for the Durant family today. Father, I couldn't help but think during that first song when we were singing a faithful follower, I would be. 
I was thinking about Carrie. And Father, I pray that you would wrap your loving arms around them and Father, kiss away tears of grief and give them a gentle peace that passes all understanding. Father, I also pray that prayer for Chip Banks and his family and the loss of his mother who was also a faithful follower. And I ask God that Chip and his family might feel your gentle peace and your comfort and love as they grieve. God, we never want to give up our loved ones, but yet, Lord, we don't want to see them suffer and linger in a state that they would not want to live in each day. Father, I pray for Marlena Jacobs and Jay and the loss of her nephew, that you would comfort this family and strengthen them in their great loss. Lord, the list is long for people that have had loss, Judy Clark and the loss of her aunt. So many need your touch. Bless them, God. And Father, it's great to see Jeannie Mitchell back at church after a very serious surgery. We praise you that she's doing well, and we give you all the glory that she and Gary are here today. And bless them, God. Continue to heal them. Father, we just pray for Barry Marston, who needs our prayer. Would you bring a miracle of healing, God, and comfort Donna and his family? And Lord, we pray for so many who are praying from their seats. They're crying out from the depths of their souls. Help me, heal me, show me, guide me, direct me, save me. Oh, God, hear our cries. And Father, I pray if there are folks here today that feel like they're, they can't go on, they feel like life has become too overwhelming, may they not give up. Father, may they place their faith and trust in you and know that you can lift us up out of the pit of despair, out of the pit of sin, out of the pit of depression and guilt and addiction. Oh God, set the captive free. And Father, I pray for revival and spiritual awakening in this country and in this world. And may it begin in our hearts today. Lord, if there are folks here that don't know you personally, may this be the day of salvation for many. May many confess their sin and call on your name and receive God's salvation even now. Father, I pray that you would forgive me or forgive us of any impure thought, any impure motive, anything that would hinder our prayers. And help us, O oh God, to keep in step with your spirit. Father, we just pray that your Holy Spirit now would continue to move, sing, and play through the choir and our instrumentalists. And Father, speak through your word and your servant and speak to all of our hearts. And God, I pray that when I am weak, then I would be strong in and through you. Father, we love you and we thank you. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.
Amen. If you have your Bible, would you turn with me to Mark chapter 10? Mark chapter 10. And as you're doing that, I'm grateful again for our choir and instrumentalists to be here to lead us in worship after the reading of God's Word. And I appreciate you making a special effort to be here today. And uh, I'm so grateful for your presence and his presence in this place. Begin with verse 46 of Mark chapter 10. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This is the word of the Lord, and blessed be the name of the Lord.
thank you all for that beautiful message and song. And thank you again for being here today and allowing the Holy Spirit to be in this place. I always like to share a little humor to get you ready to hear more important things. Maybe you heard the story about the pastor who was riding his bicycle through a neighborhood making some visits when he came upon a little boy who was selling a lawnmower. Well, the pastor stopped his bicycle and he said to the little boy, how much do you want for that lawnmower? And the little boy said, well, just enough money so I can buy a bicycle. The pastor stood there for a moment and he looked at the lawnmower and at his bike. He said, how about this? How about I trade you my bicycle for your lawnmower? Little boy said, well, maybe. Do you mind if I take the bike for a spin around the block? So he goes, sure. So the little boy got on the bicycle, and he rode around the block, and he came back, and he said, Mr., you've got yourself a deal. And the pastor said, well, great. Thank you, son. And he went over to the side, and, and the pastor began to try to crank the lawnmower, and he pulled on that rope several times, and it wouldn't start. And he called the little boy over and he said, son, this, this lawnmower won't start. And the little boy said, well, that's because you got to cuss at it. And the pastor said, what? The little boy said, you got to cuss. He goes, son, I'm a pastor. I'm a minister. He said, I, I quit talking like that years ago. I can't even remember how to cuss. The little boy looked at him and smiled and said, you keep pulling on that rope and it'll come back to you. <laughs> That's bad. That's not, not, not good, not good. <laughs> this time of year, if you ever watch the weather, the news, you will hear the weatherman usually say through this season, the conditions are just right for possible tornadoes. Have you heard the weatherman say that? The conditions are just right. What does he mean the conditions are just right? Well, I did not go to Bill Mech Weather 101 class, but I do know that if there is moisture in the air and heat begins to rise from the ground and then connect with cool air in the clouds, then that's a recipe for a potential tornado, for potential uh, conditions for a tornado or for a funnel cloud. And we all know that back in December, our friends in western Kentucky were hit so hard, devastating many of those folks, dramatically, drastically changing the lives of many people in western Kentucky after those tornadoes hit in December. Today in our scripture, we see Jesus with his disciples on their way to Jerusalem. And the reason they were headed to Jerusalem was a couple of reasons. They were going to Passover. Do you remember that there was a law that every uh, Jewish male over the age of 12, and if you lived within 15 miles of Jerusalem, it was a law that you would attend the Passover. Many times lining the road on the way to the Passover were people who were not able to go. Maybe they were elderly, maybe they were lame, maybe they had sickness, maybe they were battling sin. But many times when there was a famous rabbi or teacher making that journey, 
a multitude of people would gather around so as he could teach them as they made their way to Passover in Jerusalem. And we know that when our story takes place today, they're in Jericho. Jericho is about 15 miles from Jerusalem. And they were headed there to celebrate Passover, but you know there was another reason they were headed there. Jesus was heading to Jerusalem to die on the cross for you and for me. And as they were on their way, they went through a main road that went right through Jericho. There was an old Jericho and a new Jericho. And the reason there's some discrepancy in some of the, the Gospels on where this story takes place, either they're leaving Jericho or going into Jericho, is because some think that they were maybe going out of the old Jericho and a new Jericho, a new city had been built, a short distance away, and so they were headed maybe into the new Jericho where many times beggars would sit at the city gate. And I shared this recently. We can visualize, can't we, beggars that we see on the corners when we go to the grocery store or when we go to the mall or we drive in Lexington. On many corners, there are people begging and it's at this time that we meet a man named Bartimaeus who is there begging at the city gate, asking for alms, asking for help, as did so many when they knew there was a large crowd of people that were going to be traveling that road. And so as we read this story, the conditions are just right for a life-changing event, and I'm not talking about a tornado right now, but I am talking about a powerful force. I'm talking about something that can drastically and dramatically change someone's life. No, not 100 to 300 mile per hour winds, but I'm talking about the mighty power of God. And the conditions are just right in this story for a miracle. Some of you are here today and the conditions are just right in your life for a miracle to take place. Do you all still believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord of miracles? If he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, he's still the Lord of miracles today. I pray daily for miracles for people. Because he is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, Ephesians 3.20. And I pray today that if you're here and you have been stuck in a situation where you can't see your way through it, you can't see an end in sight, you can't see a light at the end of the tunnel, you can't see that there's any hope at all, then this message is for you. Because the conditions are right in this story for a miracle to take place. And maybe the conditions are right for a miracle to take place in your life this very day. But the first thing we see in this story which sets up the conditions for a miracle is we have to be at the right place. We have to be at the right place. In verse 46, it said, Then they 
came into Jericho. And then we skipped down to the latter part of verse 46 and said, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting along the roadside begging. Now, again, when we say that they were in Jericho, that was the place where they were making their journey to get to Passover, to get to the cross. They had to go through there to get to Jerusalem. But it was at this point that they found themselves in Jericho when they meet a blind man, Bartimaeus, whose name means son of Timaeus. Well, Timaeus means honor. There are some commentators that believe that possibly Bartimaeus was the son of a well-to-do or a, a person of honor or leadership in Jericho. And because many times the Jews believed at this time that if someone had an ailment like blindness or some other sickness, they blamed it on sin. So when they see, when we see Bartimaeus there on the side of the road begging, he could have been the son of a reputable, honorable person in Jericho who now in shame is begging on the side of the road. Well, you and I all know, we all know that sin is not all of our sin, which causes all of our sickness. I mean, yes, we all are born with a sinful nature because of Adam and Eve's sin in the Garden of Eden. But don't think because you have something going on in your health right now, don't think, oh my, what sin have I committed? That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that many times people believe it was a result of sin in their lives. And so here's Bartimaeus, who's on the side of the road. He was at the right place for a miracle. And I think about in Mark chapter 3, verse 1, it said, another time Jesus went into the synagogue and there was a man with a shriveled hand there. And in verse 5 of Mark chapter 3, it said, when Jesus saw the man, he said, stretch out your hand. And immediately his hand was restored. So the first place for a miracle maybe is on the side of the road. Second place is in church, in a synagogue. Do you ever come to church believing that God can bring a miracle to you at church? We need to come in with expecting hearts that God's going to bring a miracle in our lives. We don't come in just to go through the motions. And, and some of y'all might be here today because somebody said, if you go to church with me today, I'll take you to Cracker Barrel for lunch after church. And that's fine. If it got you to church, great. But when we come to God's house, we need to believe that he can bring a miracle into our lives and into our situation. And so I think about when another story, Jesus again going into Jericho, approaching Jericho. Remember Zacchaeus, this wealthy tax collector, a short little man. We read about this in Luke chapter 19 that when he knew that Jesus was coming to town, he went ahead of the crowd, climbed up into a sycamore fig tree, so that he could see Jesus when he was passing by in verse 4. 
You know what happened. Uh, we know that in verse 9 of Luke chapter 19, that Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house. So we know that a miracle could take place on the side of a road. It could take place in church. It could take place in a sycamore fig tree, if that be God's will. But we also know that the right place might be in the belly of a fish. The right place might be in a lion's den. It might be in a fiery furnace. It might be lying beside a pool at Bethesda. You know, being at the right place, I believe God many times has us at the right place. But we just don't acknowledge him. And maybe you're someplace, right? you've got a broken heart today. You're without a job. Maybe you're having health issues. Maybe you're battling addiction, but it's possible that your Jericho is where you are right now. Your Jericho is right where God wants you so he can perform a miracle in your life. But you have to submit to him. And you have to acknowledge him. I just got a call over the weekend from one of our church members and they were in tears. And they were crying and saying, pray, Tide, for a miracle in my family's life. I said, I sure will. And they were praying for a loved one who is experiencing serious health issues. Please pray for a miracle. But that wasn't the end of the conversation. You know what else they asked? They said, not only pray for my loved one with these serious health issues, they said, pray that another miracle would take place and that my son would come to know Jesus as a result of my loved one's health issues. It's possible that God can use a terrible time in our lives to bring hope and salvation to someone else or maybe even to you and me. And we're sitting going, why God? Why God? And maybe the why needs to turn into for what purpose? What purpose am I going through this, God? Maybe God's trying to get your attention today. I'm trying to get mine. And he said the conditions are just right, but we've got to be in the right place. But then secondly, not only do we have to be in the right place, second condition for a miracle is the right plea is the right plea in verse 47 and 48. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, he called out or shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And in verse 47 it said, when they heard this, the crowd, they rebuked him and told him to be quiet. And he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Well, let's, let's talk about this for a moment. He had the right plea. He said, Jesus, Son of David. Well, we all know that Jesus was not literally David's son. Now, when he said that was about a thousand years before David lived, about a thousand years before this time period, and God had promised David 
that an heir of his would one day rule over all of Israel forever. And so when he said, Jesus, son of David, he was saying, really, this is a messianic title. Whether Bartimaeus knew it or not, he was preparing the way for Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem for that week of passion. It was the first time that Jesus would be called out loud in a crowd, son of David. And whether Bartimaeus knew it or not, God was using him to prepare the way for that triumphal entry when he would be going to the cross for you and for me. So the right plea was he cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. What is mercy? Mercy has been defined as when we have kindness, compassion, or forgiveness to someone when it is in one's power to punish them. There is a need that's met. It's when we have the, the power to bring punishment. Instead, we show forgiveness and kindness and compassion. You know what the greatest cry that any of us, the greatest plea that any of us can have is a plea for mercy. Because we're all sinners. Every single one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Our greatest plea would be, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, because we all are. And maybe you find yourself in a place today, I think about out of Psalm 130, when David said, I cry out to you uh, from the depths, O Lord. He said, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. And we think about times in our lives where we've made a plea. We've cried out to the Lord and we wonder if he hears us. I can't help but think about Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Remember, Paul was given a messenger of Satan to torment him. We don't know what that thorn in the flesh was. But, but we know that he pleaded three times for the Lord to remove that thorn. But what happened in verse 7 and 8, or in 8 and 9, it said that he pleaded with the Lord for him to remove the thorn. But he said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So we can cry out, we can have a plea, and sometimes it's not answered the way we want it to be answered, but yet he hears our cry, he hears our plea, and his grace and mercy is sufficient and his power is made perfect in our weakness. When I was thinking about someone else who had a plea, I couldn't help but think about out of Luke chapter 23, verses 42 and 43, when, remember, Jesus was being crucified and there were two criminals with him on the right and left when he was being crucified. And remember, one of the criminals, they were hurling insults at Jesus. And, but do you remember what the other criminal said in verse 42? He turned to Jesus and he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That was his plea. And do you remember what Jesus responded? 
I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Know today that God is a God of second chances. And he is a Lord of miracles. And, if, and all you need to do is cry out to him. And 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us or cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Paul said in Romans 10, 13, Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But we have to cry out. We have to have the right plea. Not impure motives or impure heart, but with a pure heart. Blessed are the pure in heart we talked about last week. We will see God. So we must cry out to God. Conditions for a miracle is being at the right place with the right plea. But then thirdly, with the right person. With the right person. Verse 49, when he, Bartimaeus, was crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, multitude of people around him, Jesus stopped in verse 9, and he said, call him. Jesus heard his plea. As some of you are here say, I pray and pray all the time with all the prayers the Lord has to listen to every day. He can't hear my little old prayer. Yes, he can. He hears all of our prayers. And so, Jesus stopped, and he, and he said, call him. And then in verse 50, it said, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet, and he came to Jesus. Well, that's symbolic too. Uh, throwing that cloak aside, that was like his government-issued clothing. That was to identify him as a beggar. And it was also a way that he collected his alms. He would put his his garment, his cloak, his robe out there, and people drop alms and he would collect them out. But when Jesus called his name, he threw it aside. He got rid of the old garment, and he came to Jesus. I think about out of Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, when it said, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run the race marked out for us with perseverance. Let us fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We must fix our eyes upon Jesus. He's the right person to bring the miracle in our lives. And then in verse 51, Jesus said to Bartimaeus, what is it you want me to do for you? Like he didn't already know. And what did he say? Rabbi, Master, Lord, I want to see. I've used this as an example so many times of how we are to be specific in our prayer. Lord, I want to see. We know that earlier in Mark chapter 8, Jesus had tried to teach his disciples a lesson about spiritual blindness, and he had healed a blind man. And once again, he's trying to help them to see that he has the power to heal spiritual blindness, physical blindness, any need that we have he can meet. And we know that he said, 
Lord, I want to see. And in verse 52, Jesus said, Go, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight, and he got up and followed Jesus down the road. Isn't that a beautiful story? That he received healing. He he had faith. First, he cried for mercy. That's the first need. I, I thought about when those four friends lowered the, their friend down through the roof. Remember that was paralyzed? And, and what was the first thing Jesus said to him? Your sins are forgiven. Jesus sees what our greatest need is first. And our greatest need is for forgiveness. And then we are specific to say, Lord, I want to see, I want to see you with all my heart. I think about out of Acts chapter 4, verse 12, salvation comes from no one else. There is no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. There's no other name given to mankind under heaven which by we must be saved. That's the name of Jesus. Some of y'all are here and you've been trying to get through your situation by going to the wrong people, doing the wrong things, and all you do is find yourself in deeper mess than you were before. You've got to go to the right person. Uh, and let's go, a, let's go a fourth point here. We must go at the right and perfect time, which there's no better time than now. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, he said, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Right now. And so many people put off and put off. When I get more time or, or when I get my act together, when I get my house in order, when I understand more, we are to come to Jesus with a childlike faith and say, here I am, Lord. And I want to give my heart and life fully surrendered to you. Now is the time for someone, the conditions are just right. You're at the right place. And with the right plea to cry out for salvation, with the right person at the right and perfect time. Maybe you're at Jericho today. And the Lord is saying, come to me. Are you ready? Are you ready to pledge your love to him as he loves you and me? May we pray. Father, I pray right now in the stillness of this moment that if there are men and women or young people here and Lord, maybe their Jericho is a broken heart. Maybe it's a relationship that's gone wrong. Maybe it's a problem at work. Maybe it's anger toward a friend or a loved one. But Lord, we might be in the right place for you to bring a miracle of healing and hope. Lord, maybe there's someone who have never prayed, cried out to you, God, save me. Lord, save me. Have mercy on me. May someone cry out to you today and receive your mercy, undeserved mercy and grace. Lord, maybe there are others that have been looking for the right place to call home, to worship, to, to bring their families up in the Lord and training of the Lord. Oh God, 
I pray that this might be the day. The world, the crowd tries to silence us like they did Bartimaeus, but he cried out all the more. May we not be embarrassed to come before a few people to acknowledge our faith and trust and an almighty and powerful God that wants to dramatically and drastically change our lives for the good today. God, however your Holy Spirit leads, may we be willing to follow and pledge our love and commitment to you. Move, we pray, in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand and come as we sing a hymn of invitation. My Jesus, I love thee. Won't you come? Amen. I want to thank you so much for being here today and allowing the Holy Spirit to be in this place. I think today is today benevolence offering. It's normally the last Sunday, but next weekend is, uh, I think, a holiday weekend. And so if you've come prepared, uh, there will be some measures at the doors with plates to give to help people. 
who are struggling right now both within these walls and outside these walls. So we would love for you, if you've come prepared, if not, you can do that at a later time. I want to remind you we have some small groups meeting tonight as well as this Wednesday. I hope you'll sign up for Delicious Meal. Then we have a special call business meeting as we'll be voting on a new student minister and he will be here for you to meet and to hear a testimony. So I hope you will come join us six o'clock down in the fellowship hall on Wednesday night. Thank you all so much for being here today and allowing the Holy Spirit to be in this place. I hope you have an awesome rest of the day and that you would enjoy uh, whatever you do, whether it's napping on the couch or, or uh, looking to purchase a lawnmower, whatever you want to do this afternoon. I hope you would have a great day and that you would come back and worship with us again real soon. Bill, would you close us in, in a song, please?